Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Can you remember a time when you were having a conversation with someone whose name you could not remember? You had to use all those same name substitutes like, hey man, what's up brother? Well, all during the conversation, you were frantically running through possible names in your mind, hoping that they would not ask this question. Do you remember my name? Or do you know who I am? Several years ago, a young teenager came up to me in the foyer over at the Goldenrod campus, and she said, do you know my name? Of course, I didn't know her name. She said, my name is Angela. And so she walked away. The next week, she comes back. You remember my name? Panicked a little bit. I couldn't remember it. Every week, for weeks, she would come. And finally, on about the fifth or sixth week, she walked up and I said, hi, Angela. I still know that name because if I see her, she's bound to ask me. Well, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked Peter and the disciples a similar question. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What scribes and Pharisees, who were supposed to be religious experts, could not answer or determine, this simple fisherman declared, you're the Christ. His answer was confident, and he was convinced that Jesus was the awaited Messiah, 100% God and 100% man. Peter came to the conclusion not by basing his answer on what others thought. That would have been the same as trying to cheat on a test looking at the paper of the worst student in the classroom. The general public was so confused about who Christ was. That is why Jesus said in the next verse, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father, who is in heaven. Simon Peter, his answer was revealed by God from a place of genuine belief in Christ. And that brings us to you. I would like to ask you one of the most important questions you will ever be asked. Who do you say that Jesus is? Just like Peter, Your answer to that question will shape the rest of your life. Why is this question so important? Well, let me give you a story. Renowned theologian Karl Barth was lecturing to a group of students at Princeton University. When a student asked him, sir, 
Don't you think that God has revealed himself through other religions and not just Christianity? With a modest thunder, he stunned the students, replying, no, God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. He has revealed himself in the Son of Man. You see, Christianity is not about religion, morality, or spirituality. It is about Christ. It is centered around Jesus, the Son of the living God. So, do you know the answer? Who do you say he is? I am going to ask you to do something. I want you to think about the effects that certain sounds have on our lives. Uh, I'm going to play this sound first. All right. That sound means it's time to get up and get out of bed or at least hit the snooze button. Any snoozers out there, that's what I thought. Uh, what about this sound right here? All right. That sound means that the car behind you is already growing impatient even though the light just turned green about a half second ago. All right. That's what that sound means. Well, let me ask you about this. What does this sound mean to you? All right. Apparently it means something to somebody. Um, it might mean nothing to some, but when the apostle Peter heard that sound on the night of Jesus' trial, the rooster crowing affected him differently than it had ever before. Because this time, that sound meant that he had failed. It was a reminder that he had done the very thing that he promised he would never do, which was deny Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Look at Peter's response. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Then, just a few hours later, Peter does what he said he would never do. We read what happened later that night, starting in verse 69. Now, Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you are also with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were around there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied it with an oath. And he said, I do not know the man. A little time later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them. Your speech betrays you. And then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who had said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Of course, our failure isn't marked like that. It's not marked by the sound of a rooster. No, more often it might be the sound of our spouse or kids crying because we acted out in anger and lost it again. Or maybe our failure is marked by the sound of a bottle opening up as you turn to that substance again to try to numb the pain in your life. Or the sound of the clicks of a computer keyboard on the way to a website that you swore you would leave in your past. 
Sometimes it's the sounds of raised voices, slammed doors, conversations with the wrong people, lies told, maybe even the sound of silence during the times when we know we should be crying out to God. No matter what you've done in the past, you've got to know this, the sound of your failure doesn't need to be final. Reason why I say that is because the last sound that we hear in Matthew 26 is the sound of repentance. It says Peter remembered the word of Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. Now we may think that the sound of weeping is not a good thing, but we know this because Paul said it in 2 Corinthians that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. That was true for Peter's life and it's also true for ours. If you're stuck in failure or if you've disowned or denied Christ with your life, I pray that you find the sound of godly sorrow and repentance because it always leads to salvation. In uh, John's Gospel in chapter 20, it tells the story of Peter and John arriving to the tomb of Jesus on that first Easter morning. It says, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. Just to highlight that word believed because just as it was for those original disciples, it's impossible for us to truly know Jesus Christ without coming to a personal conclusion, not only of his death, which was for us, for our punishment, for our sin, but also coming to a conclusion about his resurrection. Author Timothy Keller says it this way, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. See, repeatedly in the Gospels, Jesus had said to his disciples, I will rise again on the third day. He said it specifically in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, and yet again in Mark chapter 10. If Mark quotes Jesus saying something three times, it probably means that Jesus was saying this over and over and over again. Can you imagine hearing Jesus say this about himself? I will die, but I will rise on the third day. I will rise on the third day. I will rise on the third day. And then he actually did it. That's an impossible feat to ignore. Amen. So there's three connected and convincing lines of evidence for this miracle that I just want us to consider. And the first one would be this, the fact of an empty tomb. The Jewish leaders, they could not adequately explain the empty tomb. I mean, from our modern perspective, it appears that they were just short in coming up with a good rebuttal. The best that they could do was suggest and spread the fictitious tale that the disciples had stolen the body. But don't miss this interesting fact, that at no time do we have any 
record of any disciple when they were arrested and disciplined, and they were by the Jewish authorities, they were never charged with grave robbery. The silence of the Jewish authorities in this is very telling and significant. Another evidence to consider would be this, the testimony of numerous eyewitnesses. The resurrection was as inconceivable for the first disciples, as impossible to believe as it is for many today. But the Bible gives 12 distinct instances in which Jesus appeared to individuals or groups of people after he rose. And I love in 1 Corinthians, when Paul suggests to his readers that they can go talk to any of the 500 witnesses who had seen Jesus after the resurrection, most of whom were still alive as he wrote that letter. Another evidence for us to consider would be this, the long-term impact on the lives of Jesus' followers. See, there had to be some explanation for how Peter and this cowardly group of disciples were transformed into this powerful group of leaders. Many of them went on to live sacrificial lives, traveling far and wide as heralds of the message of the risen Christ. They suffered greatly for their faith. And in most cases, they met violent deaths on the account of their bold witness that Jesus had been resurrected. The disciples attributed this strength of their newfound character to their direct personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. In Jesus Christ's resurrection, the apostles found their existential reason to live and even to die. Such amazing transformation deserves an adequate explanation. So, have you decided what you will do with this evidence? Will you believe or will you live in darkness and in doubt? Will you try to ignore the impact that his resurrection had and is still having on the entire world or will you invite his resurrection power to bring you to abundant life? One preacher said it this way. He said, if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'll just go with whatever that man says. I think that's the same conclusion that Peter came to as he visited that empty tomb on that very first Easter morning. What is going on? No, 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 this can't be happening. Am I going crazy? I just... It's supposed to be tired, it's just been such a long week. I don't know if I can do this anymore. So, so wait, I, I, I saw it all, I saw, I, I knew that he was blind, but with just one touch, he could see. I, I saw when there wasn't enough food, and then there was enough for 5,000. Oh, when my mom was sick, she was gonna die. She was gonna die. Just one touch, one instant, one moment. Jesus bends over and heals her. She was fine. She she was more than fine. She was completely healed. I saw it all. The deaf heard. Lives were changed. I was loved. 
He loved me. He was the first person to tell me I was somebody. He called me rock. He told me I had a purpose. I make a difference. I saw it all. I saw it when they took him, whipped him, beat him. They beat my friend. My friend. What's the first thing I did? You want to know what's the first thing I did? I denied him. Pretending like I didn't even know him. Like he didn't raise the dead, like he didn't heal my family. Like he wasn't my best friend. My God, my everything. Promise him. Promise him I can be someone he can count on, but the minute that he needed me, I couldn't even stand by him. I can still hear the roosters crowing, reminding me of my past mistakes, my guilt, my shame. I can still hear it stop. Stop. He died and I was even there with him. What kind of person am I? What kind of rock am I? And now he's gone. He's gone. And I did this to him. I did it. He knew it. He said, I deny him. That he died. That he... He knew everything that was going to happen. He said, he told us, so, so wait, if everything he said was true, he also told us this isn't the end. He said he would come back from the dead and he isn't here, so that must mean it's all real, it's all true. He isn't here. My God isn't here. It's not over. This isn't the end. Death isn't the end. He's alive. He's alive. And he's back. He did this for me. He did all for me. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Uh, yes. Praise God, he is alive. And the question is, do you know him? In the words of S.M. Lockeridge, my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Well, I wonder, do you know him? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and his firmament show forth his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Well, I wonder, do you know him today? He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's August and he's unique. 
He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem of higher criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the core necessity of true spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the ages. Uh, he's the superlative of everything good that you could choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. Well, I wonder, do you know him today? He supplies strength to the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. Uh, he forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. Uh, he rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. Well, I wonder, do you know him today? My king, he's a key of wisdom. He's a key of knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Well, I wonder, do you know him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. Well, you can't get him off your mind. And you can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. Well, he always has been. And he always will be. He had no predecessor. And he shall have no successor. There was nobody before him. And there will be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. Well, the Pharisees, they couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The two witnesses couldn't get their testimony to agree. Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave could not hold him down. That's my king. And thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Yes, amen and amen. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated and we would ask that please no one slip out at this time. We're going to uh, not keep you long at all, but this is such an important time. Now, I know some of you are thinking, maybe you do yourself, why are these people so excited? They know him. They simply know him, and you can't know him 
without just being overwhelmed with love for him at times. And on this resurrection day, it's just so easy to respond to his presence and love. Today, we rejoice as believers. But some of you, you're going to rejoice today because you're going to have your sins forgiven. You're going to meet the Savior that we sing about and honor and love with all of our hearts. Would you bow your heads with us, please? Father, touch every heart in this place by your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, from the back row to the front, you know every person and everything they're going through. You know every person that has accepted Christ. You know those who need him. So Holy Spirit, draw them. We thank you for that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the question has been today, do you know him? Who do people say that I am, he said. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. If he's alive, then what are we going to do about this one who said he was Lord? Are we saying to ourselves, well, pastor, one day, one day I'm going to give my life to Christ. Well, I've got news for you. Today is that day. You've been putting it off long enough. I ask you a real valid question also. Today, God forbid this be your last day on earth. But if it were, would you go to heaven? Are you sure? There are people in this room that know that they know they know. There's no doubt. And you can know that too. Some of you are not sure. Some of you are like, no, I wouldn't go. I'm not ready to go. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so very glad you're here because God is here to wrap his arms of love and forgiveness around your life. So if you're here today, you're not ready to meet God, or you need to turn back to God. Maybe years ago, maybe it was so long ago, you were a child. Your heart was so tender toward God. You loved him, Jesus, with all your heart. But you've drifted so far away. Today, you get to come home. So I ask, how many of you need God's forgiveness? You need to get right with God. Slip your hand up right now, all over this building. Just slip your hand up. God bless you. Others, God bless you. Others. In the risers, there, you, there are people. The Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. He's speaking to your life. Others in this building, you need Christ. You need to get right with God on this wonderful resurrection day. Anyone else? Quickly, just lift your hand high. Lift it up high. Dad, what about you? Mom? Young person, what about you? Is he Christ in your life? 
Stand with us, please, everyone all over this building. Stand with us, and please, just give us just a few more moments, all right? Please don't leave yet. Don't slip out. It's too important what we're about to do. We're talking about people's eternity. We're talking about people getting right with God on this wonderful Easter weekend. And so right now, Pastor John is going to lead us in a chorus. And I want to challenge everyone that raised their hand. And I want to challenge those of you that did not to make your way to this front. We're not going to keep you at the front. Just make your way to this front. We're going to lead you in a prayer of repentance and you're going to walk away and you can walk away saying, I know, I know that I know that I am born again. I'm going to heaven. You can know that before you leave this place. So that's the good news of this Easter. So Pastor John, lead us. If you need to get right with God from the risers, from the top row, if that's you, make your way down here. Say, I'm getting right with God. I'm going to do it today. So step out and come all over this building. You need Christ. Step out and come. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.